What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200 k for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, My heart is human, my blood is boiling, my brain IBM. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. Hey, you two. Yes, yes Joe? Joe. Do you ever wish you were smarter? Uh, smarter daily. than what? Smarter than you are now. Yes, I constantly wish I were smarter than I am. Uh, now. Usually, every time we're doing research about something like uh, you know, the inner workings of the brain or particle physics, that's when I'm like, "Oh man, that would be that would be great." Wouldn't it be great I, if I, I wish this? Yeah, I wish both of you were smarter too. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> no, I also wish I was smarter. <laughs> it would be wonderful to understand all those things that can be so difficult. But one of the funny things about intelligence is there are a lot of different aspects to it, right? Yes. It's not just one thing. So you have like uh, memory retention. Sure. And, uh, different types of information processing, there's, there's spatial reasoning. Verbal uh, memorization, just memor- memory. And then there's verbal memory. There's, there's linguistic processing. There's all this kind of stuff that is 
you know, the, the domain of the brain. And it's not like one tiny section of the brain is in control of all of it. This is spread across multiple regions of our brains, depending upon what sort of processing you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And many of these things are very interconnected. It's not like for just verbal reasoning, there's one section of the brain that operates completely independently of everything else. Right. Right. But so all I'm saying is I'd settle for improving just one part of my brain. Sure. If I could just improve my memory or just improve my spatial reasoning or anything like that. That that would also be great. Right. Wouldn't even have to be the whole picture. But it's hard to do that, isn't it? Like yeah, how do you go about powering up your brain as if you, you just like ate a berry in a video game and, and now you're larger or like have you, wings or you, you throw you, fire you or something? You leveled up somehow, you got mm-hmm. a little ding and suddenly you can add a point to intelligence. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um we talked about this a little bit in our last episode where we were chatting about the various types of neuro enhancing uh chemicals, some of them being like dietary supplements or or just stuff you would get if you're eating a nice healthy diet, some of them being things like medications used for one purpose being repurposed to be a neuroenhancement drug. Um, but that's not the only pr- way that some people are looking at trying to boost how the brain works. No, not at all. So the reasoning is that the brain is an electrochemical machine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in the last podcast, we talked about how, well, if it's an electrochemical machine, surely there must be some sort of chemical ways to make it work a little bit better. Now we want to look at the other half of the equation. Are there devices, sort of electrical or electromagnetic pieces of technology that might actually improve your brain function, make it more efficient, more powerful in one way or another? Right. And whether that is something that you use to uh, to alter your brain in some way and therefore you from that point forward are super smart or it's something that you are apparently wearing either on a regular basis or maybe even permanently to enhance your brain's function. So if you think of it from superhero terms, we're moving from, say, a, a an altered human like Spider-Man to perhaps a human that is using technology to boost their abilities like Tony Stark and Iron Man. Oh, okay. So we're going from the, the chemical changes to the technologically boosted type human. B- basically, like, can you put on a helmet that makes you a genius? Yes, that's what we're looking at today. So uh, what's interesting is that... That seems like a, a silly question to most people. Like, oh, you, like, you're literally putting on a thinking cap. You really are being able to boost your intelligence. Uh, some of these examples. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that. A little bit. A, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, in a possible future way. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the downer is, folks, the brain, as we said in our last episode, despite the fact that it's been a couple of days since we recorded that last episode, there's a peek behind the curtain. It has actually been a couple of days since we recorded augmenting the brain with chemicals. In that time, we have not learned significantly more about how the human brain works. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we as a species, yeah. no, uh, it's still more or less a mystery to us. We regret to inform you. Yes. So that means, of course, that any sort of boost we see is something that's based upon just a limited understanding. And it may not mean, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean there's not an effect there. It mm-hmm. just means that we don't know how great that effect is. We don't know if we are producing the best effect. We don't know what the long-term effects of it might be. Sure. And it also, unfortunately, opens the door to a certain amount of quackery and yes. scam artists. Chicanery. Well, we should always start with scams whenever possible. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you, have you found any? Are there any anybody I, out there selling, like, 
genius helmets. There, well, I'm sure there's some novelty ones out there, but there are also some that some devices that are being marketed as things that can make your brain work better. And most of them are based on no scientific grounding whatsoever. Uh, I pulled one example just out of all the different ones that you could find if you really wanted to do some searching. Uh, one is the Qi Generator, mm. which is a device that supposedly can, and I quote here, charge food, drinks, and supplements with trend characteristics. So what does that mean? Uh, I don't know. And there's no explanation. <laughs> I mean, it, it's if you look at the webpage, it's all meaningless babble that is meant to suggest that this little device that looks like a keychain fob, Mm -hmm. when you point it at stuff, shoots it with smart beams that then will make it turn into smart stuff when you consume it. Sounds Um, legit. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's mostly based upon the the concept, the the cultural concept of chi, you know, this idea of energy that flows through the body. That uh, has very strong significance in certain cultures, but does not have any support in the world of science. So, you know, I don't mean to suggest that people who who follow that philosophy are doing so in some way that uh, is is you know is bad. I don't mean that. Oh, but sure. This is not science supported. Well, and I, and I do believe that some research has um, supported a certain amount of placebo effect, if nothing else. Absolutely. Related yeah. to chi. To so. Sure. Well, there's a difference between something having a legitimate cultural significance or yep. a meaning for a person and right. it being a physical substance. Exactly. Uh, right. Also, the term trend characteristics makes me think that they're doing something with, uh, I don't know, like Twitter yeah. and and yeah. search search engine optimization. Hashtag quackery. Yeah. Um, no, it's it, in, at any rate, there are things out there. There are devices out there that aim to make people uh, believe that they would help increase cognitive function in some way. Usually it's, you know, the very vague terms like focus and memory. But those are the same vague terms that we have to use for the things that are are actually supported by science, because as we just said, the brain is very mysterious. And to be able to zero in on a very specific function is beyond our capabilities as of right now. But we might be getting there. Yes. Yeah, we're certainly working on it. I mean, legitimately working on it. Yeah. Yes. And then, then you know, beyond the the outright kind of, you know, th- this almost feels like a, like I said, a novelty item in a way. There's a, the idea of brain entrainment. Now, have you guys I've heard of I've never heard of this before. I saw your note and I yeah. was very intrigued. Right. So have you ever heard of um, uh, binaural beats? Have you ever heard that term? Sure. Binaural beats, it tends to be this stuff that uh, it supposedly targets your brain in very specific ways to get a specific result, such as being able to uh, boost confidence or boost your your ability to process things that you had learned that day. Wait a minute, but, but what are they? Okay, so binaural beats, it's generally speaking, it's when you have a certain tone of a certain frequency played within one ear – and a different tone with a different frequency. I mean, those are that's kind of I'm being redundant, yeah. I guess, being played in the other ear. So it um, sounds. So it sounds. Yeah. You're actually listening to these. And that's where the aural comes from. It's binaural. You can yeah. also get mon- monaural, which are single tones in both ears. But the idea is that these these different tones are supposed to create a resonance in your brain waves. And that sounds pretty kind of, you know, uh, like pseudoscience, but that actually is based on reality. Our, our, we do have brain waves. Uh, they do uh, transmit in frequencies, but usually they're transmitting 
in little bursts, like uh, when I say a little burst, I'm talking about millions of neurons at once, but we have like 80 billion of these in our heads. So millions is a small amount over the, the grand scheme of things. But, uh, they generally, you don't have them kind of resonating in, in a frequency over and over unless you're, you know, going to sleep because your brain actually does the activity changes during the different phases of alertness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is all based on science. So, when neurons fire, they give off these little electric and magnetic fields, uh, which are usually too weak to detect individually. Like a, a single neuron's electric or magnetic field is so is so insignificant that you, if you especially had, in the face of all of the other stuff that's going on in there, right? Yeah. If you if you had an, an electrode attached to your scalp and you were trying to pick up the activity of a single neuron, that's pretty hopeless. But when they are firing together, you can obviously detect that sort of thing. Um, so. The the effect is real, this effect of being able to make the brain resonate and, and fire in frequency. This is why if you have ever played a video game that has that warning ahead of it saying, warning, there are a lot of flashing lights, people or, with epilepsy. Yeah, yeah, gone into a, into a show or, yep. or a ride in an amusement park. Yeah, a lot of these will say, you know, there, there may be flashing lights, so anyone who is prone to epileptic seizures might want to avoid Not this. Not do this thing, yeah. And that's because... Uh, the those lights uh, can create what's called photic driving, which is this rapid stimulation of the light uh, affecting a part of the brain, the, the visual processing center of the brain, which then can trigger this abnormal neural impulse uh, fit, uh, an epileptic seizure. It's a it's sort of an overstimulation. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, your whole brain just starts firing uncontrollably and that then you see the various results. And, you know, epileptic seizures manifest in different ways. The one that we uh, tend to think of as the one where someone has lost motor control and falls over. And it's it's incredibly stressful if you've ever witnessed one um, or or if you've ever had one. I mean, it's very a very stressful thing. But uh, that is also something that we can induce, uh, like a, a brain resonance, not, not an epileptic seizure necessarily, but this uh, this resonating frequency in the brain, and it can, uh, by purposeful exposure to a light pattern, light pattern or or sound patterns, sound patterns. So right. the binaural beats, while you know they're suggesting that they can do things like increase your abilities in some either vague way or sometimes they'll claim a specific way. What they're really doing is they might allow your brain to, again, sort sort of move in this this frequency. The, the neural activity will kind of flow with this frequency, but it doesn't change the activity itself. It doesn't change the function of the brain. So it's kind of like you get uh, – imagine that you have like a, a, a large body of water and you see like – all the little waves that are on the water. Imagine that you're able to get them to move in a perfect frequency. Well, the water's still moving. The water, the the activity is still going, but it's not like it's suddenly better at moving water than it was uh, before. Yeah, and when you turn the machine off, then it stops moving the water. Yeah, and your brain and goes it returns back to, back to normal. its normal thing. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is that the science is there to suggest that that there are these times when our brains will fire in these kind of resonating frequencies. Like I said, uh, the alpha rhythm, that's when you're awake. That's the least likely for it to be really kind of resonating. But that's when your brain is uh, – the brainwaves are moving at a frequency between 8 to 12 hertz. Uh, theta rhythm is when you're kind of getting drowsy. Uh, that's a frequency of around 6 to 7 hertz. And deep sleep is the delta range. That's when you're talking about 4 to 5 hertz. And binaural beats kind of try to get your brain to fire in these frequencies that are similar to usually the the theta or delta stages. And so 
Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that it is an actual effect. The entrainment really does happen, but it doesn't it doesn't result in increased cognitive function. As far as we know, as, right? Uh, yeah, there's it just it just is a thing. Like, it, right. and you can it might be something that's useful for you to relax, to get into kind of a meditative state, uh, which might help you deal with stress or anxiety. It's mm-hmm. not that there aren't any viable uses for this. There are. It's just a question of. Is the is the the advertised effect of getting some gained cognitive ability actually scientifically grounded? And that yeah. so far is not the case. As far okay. as we know. Yeah. Pending further research. I'm, I'm sure that if you, I don't know, reverse the polarity or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Could, yeah. But well, I would like to transition to a different topic. Something that actually does have some science behind it. Okay. Uh, albeit limited science, but there have been actual results around something called transcranial direct current stimulation. Now, Joe, are you about to suggest that a person could maybe put a couple of uh, uh, electrodes against their head and zap some current through their skull and actually change the way their brain is functioning? You know, I don't know, but there are some preliminary scientific results that suggest that might be the case. And it's something that we need to learn a lot more about. Uh, but yes, that is essentially what is being suggested. Put direct external application of electric current to the scalp. Yeah. And that that affects the way the brain works. Po- positively is the allegation. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. That's definitely right? the goal. You don't, we don't, we're not talking about some sort of Jack Bauer torture device from 24 where, <laughs> you know, flip the switch, make them talk. It's not quite like no, that. No, no, no. Okay. So transcranial direct current stimulation or TDCS is the technique of stimulating the brain with small amounts. And we want to emphasize small, small amounts. Definitely of electrical current applied directly to the scalp, to the skin on your head. And it's possible that this could treat certain diseases or disorders in the future, uh, but right now it is not FDA-approved for right. these purposes. There's an FDA-approved method that's similar to this that I'll talk about in a little bit, but this particular case not yet approved by the FDA. Uh, but it is being used in experimental cases in various research institutes. Right, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but... Why would this work? I mean, why would it actually even have an effect on the brain to apply a little bit of electrical current to the skin on your head? Well, in general, we we do run on electrical current. Yeah. Yeah. Our our neurons are communicating with each other through these electrochemical reactions. And we covered the chemical side. It turns out the electric side also plays a part. Yeah. If if you buzz any part of your body, it's going to have an effect on your nervous Uh, system. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I... I have usually it's a negative effect in my case, so please do not buzz any part of my body. I would appreciate that. This um, is just a note for everybody, <laughs> including the people in this room. OK, but what's going on here specifically, Jonathan? Well, specifically, we're talking about stimulating the activity that's already going on in the brain by kind of boosting the current. Now, the general idea is that if you have a tr- uh, like a, a, a microprocessor, one of the ways you can make the microprocessor work faster is by pouring more juice into it. Than it normally would have. You mean electricity, not yeah. literal juice. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, orange is particularly effective. <laughs> uh, antioxidants aside, we're talking about electricity here. Yeah, electricity is specifically what I'm referring to. But as we need to stress <laughs> multiple times, I'm sure this small amount of current is what's important because if you 
if you were to overload your brain, you could do severe damage. You could injure yourself. You could kill yourself. Um, I mean, that's electrocution is a real thing. Yes. So it's very, very vital that anyone working in this kind of uh, arena would practice lots of caution. And the reason we say that is because uh, while we're going to be talking a lot about some of the research that's gone b- around this particular field, there are a lot of people out there who are just charging ahead with DIY projects to create these uh, do-it-yourself electrodes attached to their heads so that they can try and get a boost from uh, electrical stimulation. And if you don't do that correctly, you could really, really hurt yourself. Yeah, we do not personally recommend trying this at home. Even yeah. if you do do it correctly, I think we're not entirely sure what the long-term effects no, of right. doing this over time might be yeah, either. Yeah. We have no clue if there are any long-term effects that could uh, end up being detrimental. We know that in the short term, uh, we've seen what can happen, and and the results are pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, under very specific conditions. Uh, the the Air Force was doing some research into this. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, so the Air Force was using uh, TDCS to help train drone pilots. Yeah. So uh, what were the effects? Well, Scientific American covered this story in November 2011 after scientists from the Air Force Research Laboratory at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base reported their findings at a meeting of neuroscientists uh, earlier that month in November 2011. And what they found was they tested TDCS on drone pilots who were learning to pick out potential targets from radar feedback. Uh, the pilots practiced this on video simulations, kind of like, you know, like a video game. Mm-hmm. When the pilots practiced their skills, they received small amounts of electrical current from patches placed on the scalp. And they said it was uh, two milliampers of continuous DC current for half an hour, okay. 30 minutes. And the study found that TDCS could potentially cut training time in half. Oh, wow. That's doubling the speed That's of learning. really significant. Which is quite significant, yeah. On the other hand, it's not a done deal because... I mean, could the placebo effect be partially or wholly responsible? One of the things about this is when it's happening, you feel a tingling. Mm -hmm. You know what's going on. So it's hard in this case to give somebody a placebo pill, basically, to to cover the, you know. Right. So so like if you if you hooked up patches to somebody's head and didn't give them the current, they they would know because they didn't feel it. Actually, there is another study uh, where they did try to control for that, to replicate the tingling sensation without actually running an electrical current through the uh, the electrodes so that the subjects would not know whether or not they were uh, having any current pass through their brain. Uh, uh. It was a Vanderbilt University study, and they used a, a – uh, a sham condition that replicated the physical tingling sensation under the electrodes without affecting the brain. I don't know exactly what that was. Like, I don't know how they (laughs) achieved this. But what they did was they took subjects and they uh, attached these electrodes to their to their scalp. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they ran the occurrence and the control. They did not. And the subjects were told to play a game, essentially, where there was a, a color shown on a screen and they were to hit a certain button on a video game controller that was going to correspond with that color. 
And then occasionally they would get a, a message saying not to push any button at all. And it was done at about a second per uh, image. Okay. And it was one of those things where it was just complicated enough where most people, you know, there's a there's a learning curve. You have to figure out, oh, wait, no, no. no I, oh, no, it's red. that button. No, it's this color. Yeah, oh, exactly. It's, uh-huh. So it was one of those things where there were a lot of potential uh, t- ways to get something wrong. And they found that when they ran the current – uh, they were actually able to boost people's ability to learn from their mistakes. They would learn more quickly and be able to complete the task with fewer errors in the long run because they picked up on things faster than the control group did. So here you're talking about not just a continuous level of direct current, but you're talking about dynamic transcranial stimulation, right? Yeah. So that it responds to what they do with different levels of current. It was meant to uh, – so when we make a mistake and we're aware of it, when we become aware of a mistake, there's a little spike of neuronal activity that happens in our brain. Mm-hmm. And these scientists said, what happens if we amplify that spike? Which to me just makes me think of Egon saying, let's see what happens when we take, take the away. puppy yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they want, the, the goal was Remember not – Remember when you tried to shock your brain? That, that would have worked, worked if, if you hadn't, hadn't stopped, stopped me. me. It's actually when I was trying to drill a hole in your head. No, no, no. I, I was applying it to our current topic, Johnson. That's, oh, current topic. Very good. So, Oh, no. Uh, you monster. You brought it on yourself. All right. At any rate, uh, the, what they found was that by, by boosting the sim- signal – that was going through the head whenever someone realized they made a mistake. It didn't make the person feel bad. They didn't the, – all they would feel was a little light tingling from the electrodes. OK. So you're not talking about like uh, negative reinforcement no. with like shocking you painfully. This was literally a a type of activity in the brain that we are unaware of consciously. OK. But it does guide us in learning through our mistakes and that they found that by boosting it, people learned faster, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that if it means that I will learn more quickly – but I won't be feeling like super stupid for making mistakes. I'm all in favor. If, however, it, it just makes me learn so that I have an, aver- because I have an aversion to feeling dumb, yeah, that's that not be, so good. That would be rough. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess it would be, you know, feeling intensely dumb for half the time. But. <laughs> of course, the thing there, like if you're going to try to create a genius helmet out of that, that seems like it'd be harder to do. Like if you're just boosting your general brain power with continuous direct current, I can see, okay, you've got a helmet, you put it on while you're researching for the podcast or studying for a test, whatever it is. And and you learn things faster, you retain more. How if you're trying to do this other thing where it lets you uh, reinforce learning from mistakes, how does the helmet know when you've made a mistake? Well, it would have to be hooked up to the system. Right. So what would happen well, is it'd that. Well, it would have to be some kind of like uh, error detecting program. Well, I mean, essentially what you have is you think of it as a video game. And you just have the helmet hooked up to the video game. And when you didn't press jump, when you needed to press jump, that's right. when the helmet just goes ahead and boosts the signal because it knows that you didn't do what you needed to do. Uh, well, so, but if you don't pronounce anaphylactic correctly, how does the helmet? I mean, I mean, there, that's the there's problem. some serious that's, coding right. That's the thing there. is that it, it all depends upon the implementation of what you're using to learn. Right. See, in this case, it was specifically seeing if this uh, stimulation would help with learning a specific task. That doesn't ne- mean that it's necessarily translatable into any task you would Oh, totally. Learn. That's what I'm saying is if we're imagining this is like, you know, down the road in the future, okay, we've decided this I is see. safe and you want it for like, your home technology. Or, this or would we be, put it all 
on schools and right. all the kids in school come in and they put these big electrode things on yeah, their heads. It seems like this kind of thing would be more useful for like controlled learning situations where there's some kind of system for detecting errors. And but I don't know. Yeah, when it comes anyway, down to it, it won't turn you into a super genius. No. It doesn't no. it doesn't suddenly mean that, you know, you zap your head and you can start uh rattling off uh, uh you know complex quantum uh equations and you totally understand it. It just means that uh, a lot of the processes that you would go through have kind of become streamlined because you've got a little more electricity running through your brain. But that's kind of what these people creating these DIY kits are going for, right? The super genius thing. I yeah, mean, it's at least they're looking um, to looking to boost their ability, their their cognitive abilities. <laughs> and again, just like we were talking with the the resonance, if you turn the machine off, you lose that that boost because you. Uh, it's no longer supplying that extra electricity to your brain for those processes. It's fine when you're if you're learning something by memorization, then you're going to retain that information. And so if you were like, I don't know, an actor studying for a part and you wanted to learn your lines and half the time it normally took you, that might end up being a really effective way of doing it. But if you're trying to understand a concept, it may not be as useful to you. Yeah. And part of the problem is despite the fact that we have some research on this, there's still a lot we don't know. Uh, They're just, we just need to do a lot more research on this before we know how big the actual effect is. If there is one there, I think there probably is some effect that's real and not just placebo, but we don't know for sure. Right. We want to find out if that is real, how big is the effect? What's the best way to use it? Are there long-term side effects? Are there reasons you shouldn't do it too much? What's the actual mechanism? I mean, we don't understand the full mechanism in the brain yet. Right. Right. So this is, this is like saying we found this thing that makes us do something a little better than what we could do before. We don't understand how we're able to do that. That thing in the first place, and we don't know why this thing makes it easier for us to co- accomplish this task. So, without knowing those basics, is it really safe to go down this road? I mean, it, it may be, but we don't know. But we is don't the know point. that. Right? Well, whether or not we know, a lot of people are into this idea. There. Yeah. So, in May 2014. Wired ran a story covering the DIY movement in transcranial direct current stimulation. People who are just making kits or some people are selling kits online yep. that you can order. Some people make them themselves out of a nine volt battery and some wet sponges. I'm not going to lie. I'm not kidding. I'm not going to lie. I've thought about doing this. I've, I actually, I'm a little bit tempted, but I know, oh, I know man. we should reserve, we should be cautious. I know that, I know that for me, I'd be able to get a really good seal against the scalp because, uh, <laughs> there ain't nothing there to impede it. Yeah. Uh, no, oh. electro, electroshock or electroconvulsive therapy is one of my actual like squicks in this universe. So that's not, that's not, <laughs> well, one I'm, to two milliamps yeah, I mean, isn't enough for I'm aware, I'm aware, but at any rate. Well, anyway, I just wanted to <laughs> talk about the public interest in this. In that Wired article I mentioned, they said at the time, this was May of this year, 2014, uh, they mentioned that there's a subreddit devoted to the practice, because of course there is, uh, with 4,000 subscribers. I was like, I wonder what that number is today. I went back and checked it. It has grown. There are now 5,845 subscribers as of today right. to this DIY wow. TDCS subreddit. So people are are thinking about doing it. Some people are actually doing it. I, it's and, out there, and, and and I wonder: Are we losing our edge? I mean, are these <laughs> other are these guys on Reddit getting smarter those than us? We can't allow that to happen. People are. I, I hear that this American Life 
does their podcast while doing this ah, transcranial direct current. They're doping. That's and what I'm, I'm just saying that if we just want to stay competitive, guys, we have to, you know, we have to consider this. <laughs> um, if you are actually using the, the one to two milliamps of current, which is the way typically these, these devices, that's the, the typical output, uh, that's not enough for you to cause a neuron to fire off on its own, but you do facilitate the connections, the neuronal connections between neurons. So, but that's really important to note that that's within that one to two milliamps of current. Sure. Anything, anything over that and you're really, that's dangerous stuff. It's not necessarily safe just with the one to two, like Joe was saying before, we don't know what the long-term effects are. So while I am certainly curious about this, I don't know that I would ever actually put on the stuff and snap a battery in place and, and see if that actually works for me because I kind of value my brain. Yeah. And I don't want to find out that because I did that 20 years down the road, I can't think of anything other than old episodes of uh, Happy Days or something. I knew you were going to say Happy Days. Really? Somehow. I really did. I was before going, you said it, I knew you were going to say I it. I rejected two others before I said that one in my brain. It must be because we've got these wires going from skull to skull. That's probably Do you know it. why we have these? I just, we just woke <laughs> uh, up that way today. Well, no no reason, American, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll this, be fine. This American Life, like <laughs> two years ago, had all of their hosts connected directly, cleanly through. <laughs> Uh, well, at any rate, there's another there's another technique that is uh, non-invasive that's very similar to this. In fact, it precedes direct current stimulation. Yeah, transcranial magnetic stimulation. Huh. Now we mentioned that when neurons fire, they give off a little electron electric field and a little magnetic field. That's because of the the relationship between electricity and magnetism. Right. right. There's there's we know very much a lot about this this relationship. Well. It's similar, but it uses electromagnets instead of electrodes to stimulate the brain. And usually it's used for people who are suffering from depression. It's one of the, the potential treatments for people with depression. And it may or may not work on people who are actually suffering from depression. It's not, it's not a cure. It's not uh, some magic that takes the depression away, but it can be a, an effective treatment for some people. Whether or not it's effective because of the actual mechanism or because of the placebo effect is also really complicated. The brain, like we said, is a big mystery. And sometimes if you think something works, it has the effect of working, even though there's no actual mechanism going on. So mm -hmm. too complicated for us to say. However, it is a treatment that's been approved by the FDA. Uh, I think it got approval back in 2008, actually, for mm. the treatment of depression. Mm. Uh, because, again, it's non-invasive. It's using electromagnets. It's not uh, harmful in any way. And it's meant to stimulate activity in certain parts of the brain, particularly either stimulate or to impede activity, depending upon how you're targeting it. But like the area of the brain that is involved with uh, directing moods would be what would be targeted in uh, in a treatment for depression. And uh, how effective it actually is in this method hasn't been completely supported by science yet. There have been a lot of studies that have had some efficacy shown, but, you know, that, again, could be within the realm of error. Um, there's disagreement in the field about whether or not it's actually an effective treatment. Meanwhile, um, people have actually thought about using it as a means of trying to make themselves smarter, just like the oh. DIY transcranial direct current stimulation. People have tried to use the magnetic stimulation as well. 
Uh, and there is uh, one researcher by the name of Alan Snyder who claims that it has an effect on creativity, which is different from what we've been saying earlier. He said that... Yeah, it's um, a different different form of intelligence entirely. Yeah. yeah he talked about using uh, uh, sessions using this transcranial magnetic stimulation and finding that the subjects were able, 40% of subjects were able to express things artistically that Apparently, they had limited or no ability to do before, which to me seems pretty bold. Yeah, that's a pretty subjective sounding statement. Yeah. But I haven't read the research. Yeah, so maybe it's, it's a little. Yeah. And they also said that the effects wear off after like an hour. Huh. So it's not something like you 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 wear this cap, you turn on a switch and you become the next Picasso. Uh, hmm. you, your ability to express yourself creatively may suddenly be boosted. And it may be because you have this boosted activity in that part of your brain. But that is all due to the stimulation. And once the stimulation is removed, you go back to your normal state of being. So it's entirely possible that it could have a very similar effect to the direct current stimulation. But it may just be this temporary a, boost. Temporary and, and in a slightly slightly skewed different different way there. Yeah. Um, I did want to put in that this electromagnetic therapy is an alternative to electroconvulsive therapy, electroshock therapy, which we just mentioned a moment ago. Uh, and in, in contrast to, you know, popular media portrayals, today electroshock therapy is considered pretty safe and effective in treating severe depression where medication has failed to help. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't even realize this. They think of it as some kind of barbaric, outdated thing. Yeah, thing that happened in the 60s or just to Ellen Burstyn and Requiem for a Dream or something like that. Or Dorothy in Return to Oz or the main character in Sucker Punch. That's the That whole Dorothy in Return to Oz thing is why I have a problem with electroshock. I don't blame you. It's why I have a problem with roller skates. I mean, but this is (laughs) This is a treatment that actually seems to work for a lot of people and people request it. It's not like. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's only given to I think the last number that I saw was a hundred thousand patients out of every, you know, multiple million who suffer from depression. Sure. But. Uh, but at any rate, well, I mean, and also your your doctor puts you under general anesthesia and gives you muscle relaxers so that you're not literally convulsing. That's, right. It's good times relatively for everyone. But it, it's the the way that it works is, is it's a purposeful induction of a seizure via electrical stimulation, similar to what we were talking about, the transcranial one before, but but more intense. And theories for why it works on depression range from it changing the blood flow or or the brain's metabolism to changing chemical release or reuptake to uh, stimulation of, of nerve cell and pathway growth. Um, but it is definitely not a memory aid. Uh, side effects include in as many as like a quarter to two thirds of the patients who undergo the procedure problems in forming memories after the treatment or recalling memories from before the treatment. It sounds like it has an effect on the hippocampus then. That's from my completely amateur armchair neurologist uh, <laughs> perspective. You know, it, it's it, it's another treatment that we're not sure why it works, but um, but it does. They, they have... They, they've uh, done placebo studies with it where they have put some patients under the anesthesia and under the muscle relaxers and told them that they had delivered the treatment, but they had not. And it it um, it did not work. So interesting. So so there is a there is an effect here. We just don't fully understand it. This is the way a lot of uh, not a lot, but this is the way that some medical science goes. And it's it's both it's it's the most dangerous in, in a sense in that. When we start to see an effect, our hopes really get pinned on that. But until we fully understand the whole mechanism, we can't be entirely certain that this is the right path to go down. So 
if all things turn out great, we end up with a treatment that genuinely helps people and doesn't have any any severe negative side effects or long term effects. Uh, that's that's the best case scenario. But that's the thing is that we just don't know. So this is this is uh, the pioneering science and, yeah, med- yeah. and medicine is fascinating. And I don't I I I I find it um, frightening in some senses. Yeah, and and that's also why you know this kind of treatment isn't. I don't think anyone's doing DIY electroshock therapy. I certainly um, hope not. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's it's really only being used for patients with severe enough depressive disorders that nothing else is working. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe maybe the uh, John Lithgow's character from Buckaroo Banzai. I think he <laughs> he did a little do-it-yourself electroshock therapy. I don't but... think that anyone should really follow John Lithgow's character from Buckaroo Banzai no. as any what? kind of. <laughs> Who, who's laughing now, Monkey Boy? So we've talked about external stuff. Absolutely. Uh, the magnetic stimulation, the the transcranial direct current stimulation, that's just patches on the skin, Yep, uh, might have an effect. But let's talk about something that definitely has some serious effects. Intracranial. Yeah. That's when you're actually... This is talking about brain implants. Yeah, you have to open up the skull and put a probe into a person's brain. Um it's a surgical procedure, serious stuff. Very here. invasive, certainly. Yep. Um, but the amount of electricity that you can deliver at that point is way less invasive than it would be if you had to put it through the skull. Yeah, and you yeah. could also you could also target very specific regions of the brain this exactly. way. Exactly. Because you know, if you look at this, uh, the transcranial. Generally speaking, you see someone who has a a. Uh, a uh, like a sponge right above one eyebrow and a sponge at a temple. And that's the best you can do to try and target the brain. There's a lot of the brain. And it's it's a lot of pin the tail on the donkey at that point. Yeah. Pin the tail on the brain part. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's pin put, the electric current on the brain part. Pin the yeah. cerebellum on the – never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is much more precise in that sense. And you can target things like uh, the hippocampus. Uh, right, which we're pretty sure sifts and files information from other parts of our brain. It's – we think it's the part that forms our memories. Um, direct stimulation to the hippocampus, though, has been shown to interfere with new memory formation. Kind of so, makes sense. What else? Right? Yeah. It's it's like, hey, don't do that. Yeah. Um, but what else can we zap then? We have tried. <laughs> let's, you know, just don't, don't again. touch that. You never know what it's connected to. <laughs> right. Oh, we, we tried a few different areas, um, and, and this this kind of treatment, these implants. Um, and even if they're not implants, just a just a temporary threaded electrode through the skull has been used in management of Parkinson's, depression and stuff like uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. And we don't entirely understand, again, how it changes the brain, but it indeed does. Um, and for some memory specific disorders, some researchers are starting to single out areas that interact with the hippocampus. Yeah, so this is shown to be an effective treatment for a lot of different neurological conditions, and it can provide relief if you might have epilepsy or Parkinson's or something like that. But can intracranial stimulation, electricity inside the brain, provide brain-boosting powers? Ah, uh, yeah. There was a paper published by researchers from UCLA called Memory Enhancement and Deep Brain Stimulation of the Enterinal Area, and these researchers were working with a group of seven epilepsy patients um, who were already being fit with in-brain electrodes in an attempt to figure out where their seizures were coming from uh, in order to isolate those areas for potential surgery. Okay, so so it's not like they were just cutting people's skulls open willy-nilly. There, there was a 
predetermined purpose for doing this. And they were like, well, while we're in there. Hey, guys, since you already have these electrodes implanted in your brains, why don't you let us do this other thing that we think would be pretty neat? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So so they they used these electrodes to deliver electrical stimulation to this enterinal area, which is a, a brain bit that's been pinpointed as the first place that signs of Alzheimer's damage appears. Hmm. Um, we, we think it's the primary gate of information about real-time happenings into the hippocampus for further processing. Um, so, so the stimulation was given while the patients were playing a video game in which they had to navigate an unfamiliar city. Right. Okay. And that stimulation actually seemed to enhance their ability to have spatial learning, uh, like improve their spatial learning. They were able to navigate the city more effectively than they would have otherwise. Uh, and in one case, it has seemed to actually boost memory performance as well. Uh, they were very quick to say they can't be sure that methodology would work for everyone. These, these are This is a, a, a specific case. These are epilepsy patients. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Small sample as well. Um, and so it's interesting, but nothing that you can draw any, any firm conclusions about. It's just one of those things where you say, this is something we should look into further if we have the opportunity to do so. Uh, absolutely. And not so much to bring this kind of technology into, you know, your dorm room or our podcast research. Oh, yeah. I don't really want to go through any kind of neurosurgery in order to make a better podcast, guys. Well, I, you I say that today. <laughs> I mean, in- but if this American life got brain implants. Well, I, I, I'm still <laughs> putting all of my chips in the transcranial <laughs> direct current <laughs> stimulation camp. Uh, <laughs> and, no, researchers are hoping to use this specifically uh, for, for eventually perhaps to, you know, get a small implanted device in cases of, of patients with severe dementia to perhaps help them you know, remember simple things like how to navigate their immediate environments, which I mean, sounds very small, but for for those people is a very huge problem and would be a terrific relief. Right. And we mentioned this in our last podcast, but we should mention it again. Uh, As exciting as these results are for possible future applications of making, you know, typical or healthy people able to improve their performance, it's even more important when talking about the ability to offset damage right. what's happened to the brain right. through and, injury or disease. And obviously that, that's, that's the, the real life changing yeah. kind of thing. I yeah. mean, it would be very cool if we could all become a little bit smarter. But sure. if you can help somebody who's lost cognitive function regain it, that's a really big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now Joe, I have a question for you. Yeah. Why would you ever put a monkey on cocaine? Because it's excellent. <laughs> Would you would you prefer would you like to uh, perhaps elaborate, Joe, or do you want to just leave it at that and we can conclude the episode? No, we want to talk about one more study that's also about internal stimulation, brain implants. Uh, yeah, that cocaine thing was not as much of a non sequitur as it sounded like. No, this uh, this will bear on the study we're about to mention. So, a team led by researchers at uh, Wake Forest and the University of Southern California published a paper in 2012 in the Journal of Neural Engineering, and it was called. Facilitation and Restoration of Cognitive Function in Primate Prefrontal Cortex by a Neuroprosthesis that Utilizes Mini-Column-Specific Neural Firing. So that's a okay. long title. That is. Break that down for I, us. I listened to it on audio. That's what? I took out the audiobook <laughs> version of this paper. Yeah, so here's what they did. The researchers took five rhesus macaque monkeys and trained them to play a picture matching game. Like over the course of two years. Yeah. So the monkeys were shown an image, 
I don't know what the images were. Imagine it's a picture of a carrot. I, I think it was like people and mountains and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. So people. Uh, imagine it is a picture of Wayne Knight. Okay. Okay. Right. And then they're shown the picture for a second, and then Wayne Knight goes away. Not on the screen anymore. That's obviously going to cause trauma. I mean, he's an amazing UGA graduate, went to the governor's honors program. Nice guy, as it turns out. Anyway, you're saying. Okay. Then the researchers would present the monkeys with a group of images, and the monkeys would have to select the image they had just seen previously from the group that appeared on the screen. Mm -hmm. So after two years of training at the game, the monkeys got pretty good at it. They could pick the right image about three quarters of the time, about 70 to 75 percent of the time. So once the researchers got the monkeys to this point, they, they then implanted electrodes into the monkeys' brains with endpoints in two layers of the cerebral cortex that communicate with each other during the play of this sort of game. They recorded the monkeys' brainwaves during play, including the little electric buzzes that would happen during correct picks, sort of like Jonathan was talking about earlier with, uh, with that memory yeah, with the color game, where, right? Where mm-hmm. they were in that case, they were hitting the spike whenever you hit, uh, whenever you made a mistake. This is slightly the uh, other way, right? Uh, right. Yeah, they they would they figured out what it looked like when a monkey made a correct choice, and then would replay those buzzes while the monkeys were in the midst of trying to make a decision, and it improved their performance some like ten percent. Okay, yeah, so they were getting electrical stimulation that mirrored what had happened when they'd get, gotten the right answer before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then let's give the monkeys cocaine. Yeah, because if you dope a monkey with coke, its performance on games like this decreases like 20% from baseline. And they're going like, no, it's totally making me better. (laughs) But it's not. It is hurting their performance, as Uh, one would expect. Yeah, but also a a coked up monkey with the electrical stimulation returns to baseline and can even do a little bit better than baseline. So the stimulation, the electrical stimulation seems to counteract the effects that the monkey would otherwise be experiencing under the influence of cocaine. Right. And it, it counteracts the effects and then a little bit more. A little bit better, yeah. 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 So th- this again figures in on what we were just talking about. This is a really cool discovery for the idea of maybe being able to power up our brains in the future, but even more important for being able to replace lost cognitive ability yes. in people with neurodegenerative diseases or with brain damage. Right. Because in this case, it wasn't just, you know, this kind of weird, mad science, let's give the monkeys <laughs> cocaine thing. As much as I kind of dismissed it early on, that's not how I really feel. The cocaine is kind of representing the sort of neurological damage one right. might have through any number of conditions or diseases. And this could potentially have a level of treatment to help people regain some a function that they may have lost. Well, I, I think it's a fascinating finding. So it really oh, is. Yeah. at the end of this podcast now, I think this is one of the weird cases where we're, we're going to have to say, yeah, this crazy sounding thing, improving our brains with technology. This is actually very within the realm of possibility. This right. is super valid. I mean, now, within today, 20 to 50 years. Right. T- today, we, we don't want to encourage everybody to rush off and get you know, direct current stimulation kits no, and stuff no. like that. I, I'd no, say no. exercise caution in the early years of this research. Yes. Yeah. We should hold back and wait to find out more about these processes before mm. we just submit our brains to the vicissitudes of electricity and, and magnets and all the crazy stuff that uh, smart people want to do to you. Yeah. Yes. Let, let's check in with those monkeys in another five years and see how they're doing. Yeah. Uh, 
I wanted to kind of conclude this with a statement that uh, that Dr. Stephen Novella made. I'm a big fan of Dr. Novella. He's a, a, a neurologist, and he's also one of the hosts to the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, which is a, a great show. If you've never checked it out, it's it's really cool. They they look at critical thinking in science, and uh, it's a very entertaining show. But uh, Dr. Novella had this to say about boosting brain power which was beware simple answers to complex problems or easy methods for accomplishing difficult goals. Which, you know, is essentially, again, another way of saying if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Or maybe we just don't know enough about it for us to say this is, in fact, absolutely true and it will work for you. That's just it's a, that's a statement that we cannot make with confidence. It may turn out to be true, but we can't confidently state that because we just don't know enough yet. But the cool thing is we'll continue to learn. I mean, we're going to be as a as a species constantly investigating and learning more and finding out what things might help people who otherwise are in really tough, tough positions due to some sort of uh, condition or disease they might have. Or we might even see a future where our kids go to school and they put on their little transcranial thinking caps and they study and they're more effective at doing it. We don't know yet. Or, I mean, not to be flipped, they actually get a few surgeries and have some brain implants that really make a significant difference in their lives. I mean, people might actually go down that path. I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, it's that's certainly a, a future that is quite a ways off if it does, in fact, ever come to fruition. But uh, I hope to be around to see how this develops over the next few years. And uh, maybe I'll be zapping my brain so that I can bring even better podcasts in the future. And we'll be trying to talk him out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or or egging me on. Come on, guys. You know, you'd be like, oh, I want to see what happens when he pushes the button. Uh, so anyway, guys, if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Forward Thinking, maybe there's something about the future you've always been curious about and you would love us to really take a deep look in it and and report back what we find. You should let us know. Send us a message on Twitter or Facebook or Google+. Our handle at all three is FWThinking. We look forward to hearing from you, and you'll hear from us again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.